She believes she's some type of hero in a fantastic world beyond imagination. Do you know where you are, Buffy? Sunnydale. No, none of that's real. You're in a mental institution. You've been with us now for six years. In all new Buffy. <laughs> Welcome to a treatise on the mythology and methodology of the Vampire Slayer. Also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me, this is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. And this week's episode is Season 6, Episode 17, Normal Again. We'll be talking about the plot and the characters and also what Rick Rosenthal, director, and Diego Gutierrez, writer, think about this episode. So, spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it. Every episode after it, the comics and probably other TV shows and movies. No, it's it's the podcast. It's cooking your brain. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, my name is Kelly, and I'm here to talk about Buffy with uh, my wonderful co-host. Co- guy, why can't I say the word co-host? Is it two words? Is that what? Is it the hyphen? Is it hyphenated? Who knows? My wonderful co-host, Stacia. Say hello. Maybe it's because you're trying to say co-host and then my name. Co-host. Stacia. That doesn't really make sense. <laughs> why? Where does the yeah. L come from? There's not an L in your name. Why? Why is it co-host? What's a co-host? Say hello. Me. <laughs> <laughs> and my other co-host, Daniel. Say hello. How come you're all whole hearth and beat me pod anyway? Whole hearth it all. Uh, we are here to talk about Normal again. Um, originally aired March 12th of the year 2002. Written by Diego Gutierrez. This is his first and only episode for the show. He was actually Joss Whedon's personal assistant for a good chunk of the show and did the voiceover for Giles's French dialogue in Restless. Do you remember there really? the scene where they're next to the lockers and the colors are all weird? That's sure. Diego's voice right there. Your life may depend on what I'm about to tell you. You need... La maison ne nous durement. Tes copains sont tous là, ayant un tarp merveilleux et rentrant le vie normal. Gutierrez has gone on to write for Dawson's Creek, Judging Amy, The Shield, Point Pleasant, V, Warehouse 13, and From Dust Till Dawn, the series, just to name a few. He also created the two-season Netflix series, Menarca, and wrote most of the episodes. Directed by Rick Rosenthal. This is the first of only two for him. The next one will be Help, which is season seven, episode four. Uh, Rosenthal has 54 producing credits and 64 writing credits, according to IMDb. His first directing job was in 1981, Halloween 2. Oh. He's done a handful of feature films, uh, a movie called Bad Boys, not that bad boys, uh, in 1983, starring Sean Penn, and a 1987 movie about, quote, a group of American boys and a shipwrecked Russian sailor who become friends in the midst of the Cold War, end quote. Fun. Called Ruskies. Called Ruskies? Uh, most in... Ruskies, awesome. yeah, you know, that's, Ruskies. That's that sounds it's great. About the Russian sailor. Uh, most importantly, he returned to the Halloween franchise to direct Halloween Resurrection in 2002. Really? I'll never forget. Yes. Uh, Rosenthal's also directed one or two episodes of a bunch of shows, including True Calling, The Eliza Dushku Vehicle, Veronica Mars, and seven episodes of Smallville. I like all those shows. I know. Rick Rosenthal's your dude. You didn't know. My dude. <laughs> hey. What happened in this episode? I would like Stacia to tell me what happened in this episode. I'd love to. Excellent. Buffy's hunting for the trio by going through a list of newly rented properties. Thanks, Patriot Act. 
She does unknowingly find their lair, but is waylaid by a waxy demon with a bony stick that juts out of its arm for stabbing, just like the Pogara from season four. It pokes Buffy, causing her to hallucinate. And what does she see in these visions? Herself in an institution with none other than <laughs> Hank. <laughs> Joyce! <laughs> and a doctor telling her that none of this, Sunny Edel, Demons, <laughs> Demons, <laughs> Nor Dawn is real. She's just a sick girl undergoing treatment in a Los Angeles mental institution. Through research and plot demands, Willow discovers that you can concoct an antidote to this crazy-making venom by using the same goo from the demon's bone stick that causes the hallucinations. Spike and Xander capture the demon and bring it back to Buffy's place. Meanwhile, Buffy starts thinking that maybe these hallucinations are onto something and she might actually be in an institution. After a peck talk pep talk from Spike, she decides, hey, instead of taking an antidote to stop the hallucinations, maybe I should let that demon in the basement kill all my friends. Buffy never ti- Buffy ties everyone up and chucks them in the basement with the Glargul Kashmanik and then lets it loose. Conveniently, Tara chooses this exact moment to check up on her ex-girlfriend, barges into the Summer's house without knocking, and starts to head down to the basement stairs only to be tripped by murder Buffy. Luckily, Tara was able to do a couple spells before her tumult tumble and willow is able to get out of her bindings enabling her to keep the demon busy by hitting it with a bat meanwhile bizarro world joyce delivers a motivating speech to bizarro world buffy someone's not a fan of paragraphs here (laughs) (laughs) fuck a paragraph (laughs) block text only (laughs) (laughs) that snaps buffy out of her fugue state just in time to kill the demon buffy tells everyone she's really sorry in the end shot the camera pulls back slowly down the hall I don't know. That was all in caps. Well, it's because it was from the shooting script. I just like, <laughs> <laughs> and they capitalized, I guess, uh, direction, dire- yeah. directing directions. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Anyways, the camera pulls back, <laughs> slow da- down the hall of the asylum, leaving the doctor and Buffy's parents helpless and Buffy lost in a distant delusion. Beautiful. Beautiful. That was natural. Uh, <laughs> that came from I the heart. Had to have been. Not rehearsed. <laughs> even a little. And you even even despite my, my typos, you still, you know, yeah. you made a point to emphasize them, which I appreciate. But uh you made it through. Couldn't it, even you. bother to do a quick spell check. <laughs> no. Not a single paragraph. No spell I mean, checking. You, no, okay. So this was like your brain on uh on the <laughs> word processor. And then you force someone else <laughs> yes. to read it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Look at me. I believe in you. You're a survivor. You can do this. Well, thank you for that. I feel like I know exactly what happened in the episode. Why don't you tell me some fun facts about this oh, episode? Wow. I'd love to. Since you're on a roll. Uh, Emma Caulfield is not in this oh, episode. Yeah. Take that title sequence. <laughs> Poor Emma. <laughs> 2011, Sarah Michelle Gellar guest starred in an episode of her old soap, All My Children. She played an unnamed character undergoing a psychiatric evaluation because she was claiming to see vampires. All My Children knows what's up. They watch this show. So I see vampires. That doesn't make me crazy. No, vampires are very uh, popular. I saw them before they were trendy. There's an episode of Smallville where James Marsters believes in vampires. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Great. See, I love that. I love that people have watched the show. Or possibly like, he doesn't, and he says the line, vampires aren't real. But the whole way. thing is that, yeah. yeah. You're, that's Spike. We know that's yeah, Spike, yeah. and he's in, in Superman world, and he's still Spike. <laughs> or not Spike. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. Okay. More fun facts. Um, this episode was originally supposed to be slotted as an episode eight in the season. Instead of 17, episode eight was Tabula Rasa. 
And then at Comic-Con in 2013, Jaw said that while he was writing for Astonishing X-Men, as a nod to this episode, he wanted Cyclops, a.k.a. Scott Summers, <laughs> to make reference to a female cousin of his who had been sent to a mental institution for believing she was a demon hunter, but he never found a way to organically fit it into the comic. It's almost like you could have just not said that part at all, but... Uh... Why did it have to be organic? He should have just rammed it right in there. Yeah. Wow, that's what she said. <laughs> okay, thank you for that. You're doing so good. I should just make you keep on going, but I can't because I need to take this over so I can ask you oh, no. what you thought about this episode. Did you give her notes to read? No, these are her own oh, thoughts. Oh, wow. I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Unfortunately. <laughs> I was hoping it was just going to be like worse. just it's autopilot worse for Stacia today. It's just like, oh, I just have everything... <laughs> That would be amazing. I'm so sleepy. Wouldn't that be great? If you could tell me my thoughts about the episode, that would be helpful. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't have that ready. I should have written it down. Um, Just in case. I I suspect that this is an episode that Buffy fans don't really like, but I like this episode. I'm delighted to hear you say that because I agree. And you are right. Buffy fans do not like this episode. Mm -hmm. But uh, us, I would say, us, us, this group of us, uh, probably liked this episode and we are Buffy fans, so... Egg on your face, everyone else. Daniel, what did you think about this episode? Maybe you're going to prove all the the naysayers correct. I hate how much this episode is great. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think this is right up our alley. I think that we're older. I think this is – if you don't like it, I would assume you're probably – either you hate the idea of this being in any way real, so you hate that ambiguity, or you're too maybe young. I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't like this. This is super fun. Um, I mean, for me, like – the moment he called out the inconsistencies, like the doctor speech is so good. That other world is written so well. That doctor is excellent. Joyce's pep talk at the end, the best Joyce moment in the entire world. And it's like, I love how she's a different character. She is not the bumbling <laughs> Joyce of the world. So that like, that opens up so many questions of like, if it is her reality, like, I mean, it makes you think, why would Joyce be a bumbler in, in this, you know, her alternate, alternate vision and not like the strong woman that she is, right? It's like, which one is real, which one's not? You have kind of points on each side, which I think is pretty cool, even though I think it's pretty clear that this is d- definitely not the real world, but I think you can probably make the case for all of it. Um, I really, the one thing I can note is that last time we talked about Hell's Bells, and I was pissed off that we just didn't do old Xander being real. And fucking in this episode, fucking they mention alternate realities by name. Um, like, I can't believe that you know, maybe they didn't do it because I guess I don't know. I want to like excuse why did Hell's Bells not go down this route? And then literally the next episode, it does all of this stuff because I, I feel like a lot of the stuff that I said about that that episode that could have made it great, they did do here. They they were comfortable with doing the alternate realities and that tension between Buffy and Joyce was exactly what I wanted to see between uh, old Xander and Buffy, right? If that was the whole crux of of, of their falling out and her dying, right? If that's what was real. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it avoided, you know, when I first started watching it, I was like, I thought it was bad. I thought it was going to be a bad episode. And I was like, it's going to be season three of Community oh, oh, Asylum, right? right? right, right. And, yeah. I, you know, they're they're convinced that Greendale was, was fake the whole time. I thought it was going to be a lot like that. These memories that you people have been sharing are a shared psychosis. You were patients there together, you were released together, and I'm alarmed to see that you are now relapsing Together. Relapse is a part of recovery. No, 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 no. This is not real. You're lying. Search your mind for the real memories 
try to look past the trauma that you've been blocking out. Not that that episode's corny, like, it's really funny. I just thought it was going to be bad, whereas, like, that's, like, meta-commentary on the whole idea. I thought that it was going to be, like, it is a very earnest episode, and I think that's a strength of it. But I feel like you mm. could write this episode in a very, very bad way. This could be very stupid. But I think it turned yeah. out really well. And I think it's because we have two fresh people coming in with fresh eyes. Like Jane Espenson style, know the story of this show front to back. Great job. I enjoyed it. I, I think that you're probably right about, I think Diego Gutierrez probably has a unique perspective that he's been along for the yeah. ride, but not actually writing anything. So maybe, you know, he had this idea the whole time or maybe not. But when Josh said he could do it, he was like, fuck yeah, let's let's use it. And I agree that the asylum parts are probably the, the best written parts of it. I think some of the stuff outside the asylum is pretty bad, but I still overall really like this episode. And the concept is so strong. It's not a unique concept either. I, I guess other TV shows have done this. Star Trek uh, is the only one I can remember from reading from the, the wiki list. Um, and I'm sure, it, you know, it's not, it's been in fiction many times, but it felt totally different than anything we've ever done. We've never really hinted at that. And we don't do a lot of fourth wall anything in this show with the exception of a couple of, you know, cutting, you know, staring at the camera. It must be Tuesday. You know, beyond that, we don't really do that. So I liked this episode for being unique and I thought it was well done. Thanks, Diego. You should have stayed on, written another episode. Yeah. Or two. But I guess, you know, if you don't have the, if it's not up to you, it's not up to you. Do you know where you are, Buffy? Sunnydale. No, none of that's real. None of it. You're in a mental institution. You've been with us now for six years. Question. The question. The biggest question of the episode. Rick Re Rosenthal. My dude. Oh, yeah. Your dude. My dude. <laughs> thinks that the ending of this episode is ambiguous, uh, leaving it up to the viewer to decide whether or not it was real. So, Stacia, is Buffy in the institution? Is that world real? Or is Sunnydale, as we know and love, real? I think that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think part of the reason why I like this episode is not only is it asking Buffy to pick a world, like to commit to something, right? But it's asking the audience to, too. So you also get the chance to decide whether you want to believe that Sunnydale is a real world or if you want to believe that Buffy's crazy. Um, and so... I mean, logically, she's probably crazy, but, like, I'm ready to commit to this, <laughs> <laughs> to this crazy town. Uh, I think, you know, Sunnydale's real. One vote for Sunnydale's real. Daniel, do you think that Sunnydale's real? Uh, yeah, I do think Sunnydale is real. Um, I mean, everything that we know leads us to believe that it was this demon. Very um, powerful demon sent by the trio. Wild. Wild magic uh, sent, mm. sent her way again. So much power from those guys. But yeah, I mean, and then at the end where she's like, I need the anecdote. So it, it still makes sense that she's still in the world, even though she's fighting against it and she's gone again. Um, but, you know, I still think it's vague enough. I still think it's vague. Like you could, but I, I still like, I come to that Joyce moment a lot and I'm like, Joyce acting like that. It's just like, why would, why would you make your mom like the Joyce in the world that we see? You know, Joyce says a bad mom, but then the show like loves and respects Joyce. But then I watch this and I'm like, that Joyce is a different character. So even if like Joyce is the best mom in the world from the writer's perspective and the fans who love Joyce or whatever, then what is this person? Is she like super mom? She's even like 10 times better than whatever you think, right? <laughs> I don't know. I guess yeah. for me, it's like that's the one weird inconsistency. Plus, we never see anything beyond. Like if we followed Hank and uh, Joyce home and they talk to one another uh, independent, maybe that could have helped like bolster 
something, but like we only stay in the asylum, right? So it, it it's clear that it's oh, in I our see minds. What you're saying. Like if we had gone outside of the asylum in the other world, that maybe that would have been a little more in ambiguity to, to lean to that. Well, if you have Hank so. and Joyce talking uh, to each other, like, you know, because the whole point, right, is that they, they broke, they, they aren't together anymore because Buffy went to the institution. See, that's where I don't, I don't understand. Like, I mean, it makes sense again, Buffy, like that's where she would have had a psychotic break, right? Something happened. And in the world of Sunnydale, right. In Buffy, the vampire slayer that we're watching, that's what broke them apart. Right. Hank and them. They, Oh, no, that was something. Else. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's a huge failing of this episode. The two biggest problems I have with this episode, the biggest one is is that whole conversation where Buffy says she used, she went to a mm. uh, an institution before. I absolutely hate that scene. It did not need to happen. It feels totally untrue to the character, uh, and we've never talked about it before. I know I get it, whatever, big trauma. Even as bad a, joy, a, a parent Joyce is, as bad a parent Hank is, the fact that they just kind of forgot is like that's that can't be real to me that they would mm. forget that she was in an institution buffy kept coming home with blood on her clothes buffy kept getting into fights buffy burned down her fucking yeah. school and you forgot that time you sent her to an institution for this shit i'm sorry even joyce <laughs> is not just going to forget that Bad so Bob. that i i hate that i don't line. know if that's f- i don't know if she's forgetting or if it's that like waspy thing that you do where we just don't talk about it. We compartmentalize and we pretend it never happened. That is Joyce. I mean, they they do kind of paint her that way. Maybe. Take a drink, mom, right? I mean, like they I think they <laughs> they flirt. Yeah. They yeah. flirt with it though. They flirt with it a little bit. And she is. Yeah. She I mean, I have I'll play the clips right now of her being like, "Mom, I'm a vampire slayer." Oh, I hate this. I hate your life. Buffy, what is happening? Just have another drink. Don't you talk to me that way. What's the matter? Your egg keep you up all night? She has that moment where she's like, if you're going to leave the house, like, I'm done with you. You know, and she's kind of almost daring Buffy to, like, believe in her delusion. And then, like, I'm I'm done. Move out. You're not welcome here anymore. And, I mean, Hank seems like a terrible father. So it could have been the thing, the catalyst to be like, she's going to need help. I don't want to give it to her. Also, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. Goodbye. I mean... I think, and it's been a while since we've watched the uh, earlier seasons, obviously, but I think there are implications in the earlier seasons that kind of imply that Hank left because of Buffy. That's what I thought, yeah. Or at least that's her fear is... Oh, like her behavioral problems, right? If nothing else. Yes. Even, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. That, not that she's crazy, but right. that because of the vampires, she burned down the school right. and she's been out too late and she gets into fights and she got kicked out and... um. Like, it's too much for him. And, you know, it, you know, not necessarily to say that it's Buffy's fault, but trying to parent a child who's going through all of this stuff and you have disagreements with your other, with the other parent, I think could lead to tensions within that relationship and cause things to fracture, even if, you know, he wasn't just like, I hate you, Buffy. I'm leaving. Sure. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I think that it was a valiant effort to exploit the like three month ish. Kind of, it's hard to peg exactly, but from the end of the movie to when we see Buffy, or even when we see, you know, in high school, or even like Angel's flashbacks, right from '96 when we first see her with like the lollipop outside the school when Mm -hmm. she first meets her first vampire. It's it's cool to kind of, you know, oh, there is a gap of time. We do have like a solid three to six months before she moves from LA to Sunnydale that we could play with something like that. You could logically fit it. I just, I don't know. I I hate that. I hate that so much. It always rubbed me the wrong way and it just really takes me out of it Um, because it just feels like it didn't need to happen. We can just have this moment 
I don't know. I think it makes sense when you're trying to, because this episode is like not only are these mental health like institution scenes gaslighting Buffy almost, but it's like gaslighting the audience to be like, oh, well, maybe if she has been in an institution, she is still there, you know, and they bring up those scenes like how she like snapped out of it, you know, while she was dead. Yeah. And she's not in the world anymore that, oh, of course, she would have, like, broken out of her delusion for a little bit and those kinds of things. So I don't I don't know. Oh, that was woven really well. Like the one, uh, the only other yeah. thing I can think of, just, like, thinking back on those previous seasons, is Killed by Death. The closest we ever get to anything uh, breaking with re- the bounds of reality in from Joyce, purely, is remember that fucking thing when Joyce was, like, she had a cousin, Carol, or whatever, that was sick? <laughs> well, what if that's her way of being, like, Buffy? I'm talking about Buffy. But, like, I'm not mm. talking about mm. Buffy. I don't know. I, that She wasn't in there right for psychotic uh, episode no, no. or anything. She, but like, no, that her cousin dies. Something. She's, like, sick with the flu or something, and her cousin dies. Yeah. Yeah. Her cousin Celia? Celia, yeah. dude. Yeah. I mean, anyways, that was just such a random thing. And, again, not a very yep. Joyce thing to say. But I kind of wonder. I guess you're right. If she wasn't there for a break or anything. But she, like, would Joyce have even opened up to her friends, I suppose, about that happening oh, yeah, over Buffy, time. Yeah, you know? Like she wouldn't have yeah. said it maybe in season one or two, but like they were friends, right? I mean, at some point, if Buffy keeps getting in danger, it might be relevant to say that, you know, Buffy was in a mental institution for a while, but maybe she yeah, that's what I'm rejects saying. that like, though. Maybe she rejects it. They just kind of forgot. I think I, that once stuff gets really hairy in Buffy's life, you know, up to the, the finale of season two. What do you mean they two. forgot? That doesn't even make any sense. If this is her delusion, why that's not real Joyce? Like if Sunnydale is her delusion then Joyce and Sunnydale is not real Joyce. Joyce and Sunnydale is Buffy's mind's idea of what Joyce would do. So whether Joyce mentions that or takes her to an institution or whatever or talks about it with her friends is kind of like irrelevant in that sense. Yeah, I'm, because... I mean, if you're looking at it from that way, yeah. Because Buffy, because yeah. her reality in Sunnydale right. is that she's not crazy until this moment. So, like, why would we be talking about this and, like, laying little seeds for it? But even in her reality in Sunnydale, she went to a psychic, you know, psychotic institute or whatever you want to call it, whatever Mm -hmm. they're called, uh, before, right? But, I mean, but again, Mm -hmm. if she's making this up and the doctor, you know, made fun of her for not having a better story, then it also tracks (laughs) that she would be like, oh, my God, you know, I have to add some narrative, like, tension here. So, yeah, my character now has been to a mental institution before and... Yeah, it's this has actually happened, and like this, and you know, you start to make it up. Like it's almost like the character we're watching in Sunnydale is just a TV show being written in real time. I mean, you can have that. I think you can make that read as well. I don't like these layers. There are too many of them. I'm going back to my original question. I mean, I would say that season seven (laughs) is like a rebuke to the Doctor. The Doctor is bored by the trio, and season seven creating the first evil, the evilest of evil, is exactly what he's Mm -hmm. saying. You used to do cool things, Buffy, and now you're boring. He's escalating bad guys. And she's like, fuck you. I'm going to take it up 20 notches, baby. And she's like, you know what? You're right. You're right. (laughs) You're right. And I need to to break this out. And then soon I'm going to be flying in spaceships, and I'm going to be fucking universes into existence. The doctor is her audience. (laughs) She's doing it all for that guy. I get that. What if I'm still there? What if I never left that clinic? Yeah, people don't like this episode. I want to know why. I guess because the ambiguity... Uh, like so, so the people, the thing that people like to point out is the very last scene mm. that we end in Asylum World, that not in mm. Sunnydale, and it's like, 
That's just for Why fun. Would you not? It's liter- that was literally just for fun. Well, that's the scene that leaves it ambiguous. Am- ambiguous. I know, right? Ambiguous. Why is it so hard to go back to the word ambiguous when you, after you say ambiguity? Like ambiguous. I think part of the reason why I like this episode, and maybe this is going to sound totally crazy, um, so I don't know, is you know when I first watched, it, I just remember thinking like, I wish I could hallucinate like that. <laughs> It'd be scary, but fun. No, I mean like not hallucinate that I'm in a mental institution. I wish that I would have hallucinations that I was Buffy in Sunnydale and yeah. like believe them so thoroughly. I was Buffy in Sunnydale. Well, that's why we're and, gonna play D anD D. You're gonna well, get I know, so in. But the point <laughs> is, is like if I was in a mental institution and I'm having these moments of lucidity and I'm realizing that like this entire world I've created is fake. I don't know that I would be like, yeah, actually, I want to be lucid. This is real fun right Right. now. Definitely. (laughs) And even if you do choose to, like, go full force into your hallucinations, like, I don't know if that's sad. Because, like, the last scene, it's like, you know, like, her parents are, like, mourning over her and the doctor's, like, defeated. But part of me is just like, I don't know. I mean, she made her choice. It's what makes her happy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's probably fucked up. Well, it's... I guess if you want to get into the realities of that, now she's a ward of the state sure. for the rest of her life, right? And like, what? why would she be a ward of the state? Or guess, well, her parents, or they'll have to pay for state, her sorry. forever or whatever. But somebody's gonna have to gonna pay have for her to care. care. People are going yeah. to have to care for her forever now. Yeah. So like, that sucks. That's a factor. Yeah, that sucks. You know, but not for Buffy. Well, <laughs> true, sure. true. Not for Buffy. She just gets to live in Sunnydale. Yeah. The hallucination until I guess Buffy. Buffy as we know her dies her character dies and then i guess real buffy either becomes lucid you know real buffy being asylum buffy or she also dies at that point i guess if the her dying after season five is to be any indicator then she would just become lucid she one day asylum buffy will be lucid again well, yeah. we just need oh, she'll Sunny die, buffy yeah, we'll die, to again, die. i mean that would have been exciting i mean the fact that they even mentioned that was really great i love that because it makes you recontextualize how she died and like what that meant for this world like imagine Joyce and Hank being so excited and and I wonder what it was like for her which kind of does make it sad because imagine that she did go home right for the whole summer and she was great and imagine mm-hmm. what their life looks like in a in a world where they don't live in this town and none of these people are the same right she's a totally different world and it's really interesting to think of her like being chill fun Buffy hanging out with Todd and uh, Suzanne, you know, her real friends who she's known since she was, uh, you know, seven years old or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, Willow starts creeping back in her brain and Willow's the bad guy, as it turns yeah. out, and brings her back yeah. uh, into this world. I mean, that's great. I know. It's also interesting to think about her transition from being dead to like being back, being back in Sunnydale is like it's hard for her and she's sad and she misses where she had been. And if you think about that, her as her being like lucid in her actual reality, and she like misses that, and she's trapped in her delusions. Yeah. Well, and also like the the heaven <sighs> part. I believe I was in heaven. It's like you can't put a finger yeah. on what it was, but like, I mean, it just speaks to like you know reality is probably the place you really want to be, and that there's something dark about being trapped in your in your mind, right? So like she doesn't know what mm-hmm. that feeling was, but we'll call it heaven. But it was just being with her mom and dad and Todd and Suzanne. You know, mm-hmm. it's like. But I mean, that's really beautiful. I I think that's really beautiful. Buffy, but that created inconsistencies, didn't it? Your sister, your friends, all those people you created at Sunnydale, they aren't as comforting as they once were, are they? They're coming apart. 
Buffy, listen to what the doctor's saying. It's important. Buffy, you used to create these grand villains to battle against. And now what is it? Just ordinary students you went to high school with. No gods or monsters. Just three pathetic little men who like playing with toys. I have a follow-up question about the realness of the asylum. I think it might have been a nice touch if they used, maybe not Xander and Willow, but like, I think they had a great moment with the manager, the Double Meat Palace manager, mm. when they cut to that woman in the asylum. Why didn't they use the same actor? And mm. why not have like Xander in the background as an orderly mm. or something? Like, I think that sells that illusion a lot, but I also could take you out I of think it. I think it would take you out of so, it. Station, oh. So, Daniel, you think that that oh, would yeah. be like too far? It would make it like a little too schlocky? Do you think that it would help b- build that reality, or do you think it would make it worse? I think it would be hard to do it in this context if this was like a story arc that happened over a couple of episodes and you kind of get the sense that like you have like this like head nurse archetype who becomes her boss at, you know, Double Meat Palace, then it would start to feel like it makes sense because she's sort of incorporating reality into her delusions, kind of like when you're like dreaming and you smell bread. So you dream about being at a bakery or something. Uh, but here, I think it would be kind of hard just because you're like, well, I mean, I know her. Yeah, I guess it could. You would kind of back yourself into a corner a little bit because you would have to. Joyce and Hank in the asylum reality would know those touchstones immediately, right? Like, so if Xander was someone from the hospital, they could easily point to be like, oh, that's just that guy. And maybe mm-hmm. it's like a different thing. I don't know. Maybe it just like makes her delusion or specific type of psychotic break. What do you call it? Like non-relenting schizophrenia or something weird like that. Uh, maybe it's like a, I don't know. Maybe it's too easy. It's too easy. It's too easy for the viewer to be like, oh, that she just thinks that because of that. So clearly Sunnydale's real. Well, yeah, we've you know? done alternate realities before, right? Like, like the, the Wish universe and stuff like that. So I think they wanted to make sure you don't confuse them as just like another reality, right? I mean, like this is... One is real and one is not. It's not, it's not an alternate, it's not alternate reality. It is yeah. reality. Right. Yeah, Exactly. Fair enough. Well, uh, Joss Whedon had some stuff to say about this episode, and so did Marty Knoxon. Yeah. And I want Stacia to, to let me know what Joss Whedon said. Okay. Uh, Joss Whedon <laughs> said, quote, How important this episode is in the scheme of the Buffy narrative is really up to the person watching. If they decide that the entire thing is all playing out in some crazy person's head, well, the joke of the thing to us was it is, and that crazy person is me. It was kind of the ultimate post-mortem, post-mortem, <laughs> post-modern look at the concept of a writer writing a show, which is not the sort of thing we usually do on the show. The show had more had merit in itself because it did raise the question, how can you live in this world and be sane? But at the same time, the idea amused me very much when you played on it a little bit. How come her little sister is taller than her? What was Adam's plan? We played on the crazy things we came up with time and time again to make this fantasy show work and called them into question the way any normal person would. But ultimately, the entire series takes place in the mind of a lunatic locked up somewhere in Los Angeles, if that's what the viewer wants. Personally, I think it really happened. That's a great quote. And when I think what he's saying there at the end, I, personally, I think it really happened. He means Sunnydale's right. real. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Just not to confuse the issue. Great quote, Or Joss. that was a covert... Um, confession of him saying that he was at a mental institution in los angeles and someone (laughs) told him this story and he ran with it and they should be getting royalties Uh and he's completely ripped Uh them off 
Allegedly. Uh-oh. Allegedly. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's, it was, this was Todd and Suzanne's story oh, all along. What keeps you going back? My friends. That's right. Last summer when you had a momentary awakening, it was them that pulled you back in. They're not really your friends, Buffy. They're just tricks keeping you from getting healthy. You have to do whatever it takes to convince yourself of that, Buffy. Whatever it takes. I feel about the idea of embracing the asylum being real and like Buffy being fake and this is all just in her head. Um, kind of insulting a little bit because I it, it robs us and Marty Knox puts it very well. And I'm going to quote her now. It was always something we saw as sort of a standalone that could fit in almost any season. The idea was really strong, and I thought the episode turned out kind of nice and moody and intriguing. The question that seemed to bother people was whether we were actually saying the whole series was in her mind. I think we were teasing that, but we weren't coming out and saying, don't believe it, it's all fake. Because it was a fake out. We were having some fun with the audience. I don't want to denigrate what the whole show has meant. If Buffy's not empowered, then what are we saying? If Buffy's crazy, then there is no girl power. It's all fantasy. And really, the whole show stands for the opposite of that, which is that it isn't just a fantasy. There should be girls that can kick ass. So I'd be really sad if we made that statement at the end. That's why it's just somewhere in the middle saying, wouldn't it be funny if, or wouldn't this be sad or tragic if? In my feeling, and I believe in Joss's as well, that's not the reality of the show. It was just a tease and a trick. And I, I agree, like, wholeheartedly with that. Like, it, it this is just a television it's show. A TV it's fiction. Show, right? I understand yeah. that. I know this is not real. <laughs> well, like, insert Ben Wyatt saying, you know that's not real, right? I need you to say, <laughs> you know that Game of Thrones is not real or whatever, Hogwarts or whatever. Yeah. Like, I recognize that. But you buy in. Good fiction That's should be the goal is that you buy in. And, like, this does become real in a sense. And the, the world has rules. And you care about the characters and what happens to them. And... It like to say that what if it all doesn't matter makes it sad, which is like the lost predicament, right? Yeah. Like the whole idea of lost. Lost pisses me off. I, I like I like the ambiguity to a point, but also it does feel kind of pointless almost. And it hurts a little bit. So Daniel, take the well, counterpoint of why Lost it, is good. Lost <laughs> is a great television show. And I think that, that that's wrong. I, I just disagree kind of with the premise. I don't think that if it was real or fake. I don't think that they should ever say it is. I think that Marty Knoxon's almost responding to people being upset about it. Because I think a normal TV writer just understands it's a TV show. And I think, like, with a with a show like this geared towards younger people, I mean, I don't know what the pressures were at the time for Marty to make that kind of statement. But, like, the pushback from Lindelof on Lost is basically that there is something to be said about the journey along the way. Like, you you guys are obsessed with sticking landings. That is not the most important thing. If you think that that's how it was and the, it negates everything, that's on you. But that's not true. There's nothing in Whoa. the thing that doesn't say that to any Game of Thrones. Well, fan. And, I, and we were Game of Thrones fan, and we don't talk about it anymore. <laughs> that might be a better example of a show, but that's a show yeah. shooting itself in the foot and like destroying all goodwill. Mm. But that's I mean, it's still a narrative focus. It's still going on. But, like, I, I don't think that she needed to necessarily say that. I think that it's great that she did. That's how I feel, mainly because it's a TV show and the show continues on. I don't know. I don't I don't know why it even – I don't. I guess I don't know why it matters unless you're younger and you maybe need it to and you're afraid that it negates it all. But I guess for me, I don't understand it. I mean, it is, it is interesting because um, it is fake regardless of whether the show tells us it's fake totally. or not. So why does the show telling us fake ruin the show? But it also kind of does. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't like Lost for that. And the other ones that I think of when I think about, like, at the end, the 
you know, the writer, the storyteller, or whatever, is kind of like, haha, I got you. None of it was real, mm-hmm. even though you'd emotionally bought in. Like, I think about like Alice in Wonderland, where like she wakes up and it was all a dream. And it's like, why do we even fucking do this then? No one loves people when they wake up and they're like, I had a strange dream. Let me tell you about it. Like, no one wants that to happen. There was a, there's a well, lot the of Bob Newhart show New was or San Elmo's place was in the snow globe, right? And yeah, San Elmo's yeah, fire place. San Elmo's fire, yeah, yeah. San Elmo's fire. There's a fire. There's a place. Yeah, the kids snow globe or whatever. And then Roseanne, it was she. It was all just a story that she had been writing. You know, like a lot of the. But so much of that is like weird retcons. Yeah, I feel like that's a different flavor, and that's more similar to this Buffy episode to me, where it's like, isn't that a fun thought experiment? And anybody that watched any of those shows. I wonder if they feel the same way about me. Where it's like, well, the last episode doesn't count. Like, that's bullshit. I don't accept that. The end. That episode, that show ended at the, you know, penultimate episode. This is, you know, I don't like that. My favorite part is all of these have a story to them as to why they did it. I think it makes it fascinating. And I think Buffy does it better than all of them. Because I think it was all a dream is like the most hacky shit. Lost has a whole history <laughs> of why all of it kind of turned out the way it did. And I think like this standalone Marty Knox and Joss without saying anything, I think it works. I don't know why you would even be confused. Like nothing even betrays that it's that she's not going to take that anecdote and it's going to go away. Even just by the logic of the show, she got pinpricked. It is a fake thing that the demon is doing to you. She takes the anecdote, which she's done before. They've solved the, the, the thing before. And then she is going to be back to normal. Right. How is this different from any other monster? It just does something different. The monster is yeah. different. All monsters are different. This one did this thing. Right? Yeah, that's why. Like, that's the only I, difference here. I. It's interesting that a fan could be challenged in such a light way and get pissed about it. So that's why I think it's funny that people don't like this episode. They just like, wanted her to drink the anecdote and be like, "I feel better I guess, now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, clearly, we never revisit it. It's never. That's why the the ambiguity thing doesn't land because we never pick this thread back up. Like, if even if there was like a season F seven episode where something weird happened, or it was just like I don't know that. But we saw the doctor. We saw the doctor somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Anything, That'd be cool. Know, but like, we don't. This is clearly just a fun thought experiment. Like you said, this this just happens to be the thing the monster of the week does this time. Remember that one time she could hear everyone's thoughts. This is no different. It's just a fun thing to do. And I'm gonna say and most of the time we don't like, even get an anecdote. Most of the time we don't even get. A, a reasonable way that an episode resolves itself. At least this way, we have a concoction from a demon that's right there that we know she threw away and can be done. We know that Willow can do it. She thanked her for all that what she does. We know in this one, unlike so many other episodes, that Buffy's going to be totally fine. She's actually just going to be totally fine. Other episodes end without us even knowing. Yeah, or She's they should have more had more danger like, in other episodes than she is right here. Severe emotional trauma that we never talk, talk <laughs> it's about. Just, it's wild stuff. <laughs> Didn't you see a bunch of your like peers have their flesh slough off and turn into monsters Bro. and then swim away into the ocean? Bro. It's fine. I mean, is it is this episode? <laughs> I feel like the. The tension isn't about whether Buffy's going to be fine or not, but whether her friends are. Mm-hmm. Because if Buffy chooses to believe that the mental institution is her reality, her friends are gone. And yeah. we're like emotionally connected to her friends. And it's like, we don't want them to get killed by this demon. And we're like, we're like, no, Willow. <laughs> you know, like we're like part of Buffy's delusion where we're like, no, no, you can't let it happen. Uh, and it's like it's scary to think if you were Buffy's friend and it wasn't a delusion, she's just gonna straight up kill you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yes. She's a literal superhero <laughs> yeah. who's gone crazy. <laughs> like this is That's fucked up. This is a problem, guys. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so you're t- like, what if this, you know, you're watching the scene and you're like, what if it isn't fake? Like, yeah. what if this is real and she's just going to kill Willow and then she's just going to have like Willow's blood on, blood on her hands and she can't go back? I mean, I would respect that. That is a different show. I mean, that's that is a, different a very show. different show. <laughs> if so she cool, killed like... every one of them. <laughs> the Except for the Tara. Just Buffy being... <laughs> Maybe in an institution for real after that, just like yeah. totally everyone. Totally, that's that's like the um, emotional pain that you have of a new show, like a Jessica Jones type show, where she's like an alcoholic. Oh, and you sure, find sure. out The reason why she's oh yeah, an yeah. alcoholic is she drinks to suppress her hallucinations because oh, if she doesn't, she'll kill people or something. <laughs> oh my god, Buffy is just the prequel to Jessica Jones. Oh god, <laughs> amazing. I love it. What you doing? I'm online checking to see if Xander emailed. Okay. Another question. Yeah. Mm. As you mentioned at the top of this episode, during the fun facts. I did, yes. This was going to be episode eight. It was, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. You knew. Fact checks. You, you knew all the, the facts. 100% reliable. So, so that would have been, you know, Tabula Rasa's uh. So the episode directly after Once More with Feeling would have been this instead. Uh, Rick Rosenthal, your boy. Your boy said that this, dude. this your your dude said My that dude. this would have been a great season finale. I understand uh, the uh, desire to do yeah. that, but whole, no. disagree. 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 Can you imagine I mean, the fan because riot? Of the cliffhangerness. Oh I my mean, god, that riot. changes the whole dynamic it of the does. conversation that we've been having. Right, like yeah. that kind of ruins all of it because that is intentional. Yeah. That is intentionally making it like this is really this last season. And every season that came before it is now up to the fans yeah. to decide. Are you going to come back for season seven or are you writing us off? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very restless reason. ending, too, where it's like the last episode would be, well, two to go. They'd have to rename because it would be three to go, you know. But, like, yeah, if Grave and then it was this, like, I mean, you know, obviously we, you and I love Restless. You do not. But, like, Restless is a totally just different season, different out of time. Mm-hmm. Right? This would be so weird after after the Willow stuff. It just... Yeah, everything with, if everything goes exactly mm-hmm. the same and then this is the finale, that's... No. But I it could have worked after Once More with Feeling, though. I mean, the Heaven stuff would have hit. But they didn't really emphasize it that much about her lucidity in that moment. It wasn't, like, a, a major plot point. You know, because otherwise right. you would make it be like, we just had her. She was just here. You know, mm-hmm. like, but mm-hmm. they didn't. They didn't really do that, so I don't know why. See, they for moved that it reason, I think this would have been an, an excellent episode nine. So instead of going immediately into the you know smash wrecked gone trilogy, mm. we Buffy is. I would argue that Buffy is at her lowest, not at the end of Once More with Feeling, but at the end of Tabula Rasa. Giles is gone. She turns to Spike, like she's making mm-hmm. the choice. I just pick Spike. Mm-hmm. Tara and Willow have broken up. Everything is fucked up. Like now, I'm having my break. Like. My dude, my my father has left. I uh, I'm turning to this the bad boy. Everything's fucked up. I'm scared. I don't want to be here. I think that would be the the moment to put it in. Well, and her family and the doctor could be like, "Oh shit, you know these are good for us, Joyce and Hank. Like the the friends are breaking up. Things are happening. Like we might get her back if we if we focus. We might be able to get her back. And like, yeah, that could be a cool." tense thing but again if they wrote it I, they would have to tweak some stuff but i wonder if like the bones of this were already done so i wonder how, what the lead-in would have been like would it just because xander not getting married that wouldn't have happened yet right so that wouldn't yeah have but been i don't know how that much episode. that matters right well they might have written all the doctor parts you know all of the doctor stuff probably was already written mm-hmm. right or, or maybe they knew i guess i don't know how they write tv shows so that's a big question, too, is, like, how far do they even get with this wanting to be episode eight? Did they ever really plan for it? Or is this Joss saying, hey, in the writer's room, we just pitched it as episode eight. And then three minutes later, we said, yeah, well, let's make it 17. You know, and that yeah. could have been the extent of it. So it's more just making it up. They never, ever wrote 
an episode eight version of this. You know what I mean? I'm sure. Yeah. But if they did, that'd be super cool to see. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's like supposed to have been episode eight. What does that mean, really? Like they plotted it out at the beginning of the season, and then as they go along, episodes move around. Yeah, yeah, that's my guess. Because it's a great idea afterwards. I think it would totally. I mean, I think you're right though. It would absolutely work at her lowest. And I wonder if they thought like that at all. Because they might have assumed yeah. that her lowest was once more with feeling, but that doesn't. But if you right. put it after once more with feeling, I think it's easier to believe that she's crazy. Because like, really, <laughs> you just had a you're in a world yeah. where you just had a musical <laughs> yeah, that's episode. A good point. That's a pretty good point. <laughs> this is what we're that. doing, Buffy. Dude, they could even say that too. Be like, those songs slapped. Like, don't get me, don't get it wrong. <laughs> she was like really getting it there in yeah. her little padded room, just singing all the songs <laughs> by herself. <laughs> <laughs> standing in the corner a demon named sweet like, this okay. is new yeah. hallucinations are progressing she who, wrote a whole score and everything i know and who would she be like making out with at the end spike i mean she would just be like making out with the nurse that the came wall. to give her the oh, oh god you know? oh no yeah fix up some chip in my head make me soft fall in love with her then turn me into a sodden sex slave what? Uh, um, the other thing I have is just like, after watching it this last time, I think I finally figured it out. But I was really confused by Spike in this episode. He like just goes off on Buffy kind of out of nowhere about the whole like, n- not just the you need to tell your friends about us, even though we've already broken up, but just like you need to drop the hero act. Why are you such a martyr? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, she's literally the fucking savior of the world. What was he trying to do? Was he just trying to hurt her? What was he trying to even say? You're not a part of my life. Fine then. You know, but I hope you don't think this an- I hope you don't think this antidote's gonna rid you of that nasty martyrdom. See, I figured it out, love. You can't help yourself. You're not drawn to the dark like I thought. You're addicted to the misery. Good line, but like, yeah, all the rest of it, I don't... I'm with you. I don't really get why it's like yeah, you that seems your friends particularly confusing. Like, but I think I finally got what he was trying to say was like, I, I thought you you were just like dark like me, meaning that like I thought that you were forcing yourself into this hero role, but you were secretly like a cool goth kid like me. But I think you actually just like being a martyr. You like being the person that's like, oh, God, I have to save the world. So I have to behave like this. And everything's so hard because I'm the hero. But I don't think she really acts like that. I mean, sometimes she. Faith. She has normal reactions to having to save the world all the time, but I don't she think did she did martyr herself. It's to like save martyr the world style. Gift. Like, that's true. She literally yeah. is a martyr. Never mind. <laughs> and that's what Faith said about her, right? I mean, I think. Yeah, yeah. So. that's kind of true. So I guess it was just like he was saying what he was saying, which was like, it's annoying that you uh, are the hero person all the time. <laughs> and I wish you could just be real, I guess, and let yourself go. He's so convinced of the idea yeah. of her, I think, of like, secretly you are a cool goth kid. Why don't you just want to be a cool goth kid with me? And if you would just drop the hero act and embrace it, then we could be friends. Otherwise, you should tell your friends so they can make you stop pretending that you want to be a cool goth kid. I don't know. I mean, I think he's trying to draw a difference between, like, being attracted to, like, the dark side or whatever. Um, You know, that she's someone who enjoys, you know, fighting and being the slayer versus enjoying, like, angst, I guess. You know, like, you don't have to be miserable while you enjoy being the Slayer, but Buffy seems to need to be. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, bringing Faith back up, that's a good point. Faith 
liked it. She liked getting yeah. in fights, liked being here, liked fighting and bad she guys. wasn't, like, afraid to, like, embrace that side of herself, whereas Buffy is, like, I'm miserable all the time. It's yeah. a huge burden, yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's probably all he was trying to point out. Well, yeah, and I think he's, like, you know what? Fine, I'm not in your life. You're fucking miserable, and... Whether I'm in your life or not, you're still going to be miserable because it's not about me. It's about you and the fact that you're, you know, in love with having a terrible time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the telling, yeah, I guess the telling your friends about us, uh, the way that he was kind of talking was almost like alluding to what he kind of has done before, which is you actually do want to be with me. And if you just get over yourself, then you can be with me. And like, I mean, I, I'm sure he's still in deep denial, but like, what was the point about telling your friends? Or I'm going to tell him. What is what does he want resolved there? Does he just want it out in the open so that everybody can move on and they don't have to like hide not only their relationship but then hide the fact that they ever had one? Or is he like convinced that if she just opens up and tells everybody, then he'll she'll want to be with him basically? Maybe it's just a way to force the issue or like like a desperate last ditch thing of maybe. If I blow this up, maybe she'll have no choice but to turn to me because all of her friends will abandon her, you know? And, like, maybe that will be the opposite effect, but it's worth it because I know she doesn't want to be with me anymore, so I might as well try this. Um, I don't know. I don't know that Spike is thinking, like, uh, I'm going to tell them because they're going to hate you and then you'll have to come crawling back to me because I'll be the only one left. I think he's more just, like, it's unfair to me for you to not acknowledge how important I am to you. You know, like we're like sitting down and having a conversation and then Xander walks up and suddenly you're just like, ah, oh, I was just figuring out why he's such a yeah. fucking loser. Sure, and sure. it's like, Spike's like, I didn't fucking do anything. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and then Xander's not. like, oh, get over yourself. You're such a creep. And Spike's like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm going through a breakup. <laughs> with my groceries. Yeah. Okay. I live here. <laughs> I live here. I know. And so he's like constantly just getting like, you know, spat on over and over and over again. And he's kind of like, look, if you're going to be like this, you know, if I'm going to be involved in your life, then we're not doing this anymore. This sucks. Yeah. So, and I mean, it does really feel like buff or I guess Buffy, but just like Spike is being treated like crap by everyone. And the reason why they're doing that is because they don't know that, you know, he's become important to Buffy. Yeah, maybe it's just that he's just annoyed. He's just, like, so tired yeah. of, of them treating him like shit. Like, I matter, man. Well, and it's like, you only come to me when you need something. You came to me and you're like, help me with this demon. And then the minute that I'm done with it, you're like, get the fuck out of here. I hate you. And it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I got feelings too, you know. Exactly. <laughs> That's how Spike talks, right? I mean, Buffy's like, you're not part of my life. And he's like, I literally am, though. Like, I'm literally helping you right yeah. now. And you're going to treat me like this? I'm going to tell your friends that I am a part of your life. So you stop denying But it. then I'm going to walk away and you're going to throw it away. Like, and then I'm going to just abandon you right now in your greatest moment of need way to go spike in the end was also the reason uh, that she. Uh... i mean i don't think he would have thought she'd pour it out well do you think she would have if they hadn't had that conversation like was that just the last little thing she needed to to dump it out maybe Ooh, that's a good i don't know if that's i mean i think he was it did seem like she was about to drink it and then they have their chat and you know she says that line later to dawn like of course I'm like of course this is a delusion because why would a girl sleep with a vampire she hates? You know, and that seems to be the thing that she like kind of keyed in on like why am I doing this to myself? This can't be real. 
Mm. I wouldn't do this to myself. Yeah. Or she's like, oh, Willow, I love you. Yeah, this is all great. I want to stay here. I know this is real. And Spike walks in and is like, fuck this. This is, this is why I want to die. I just want to go to my, you know, psychiatric home. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe it was Spike, really. Yeah. Though She was like, oh, yeah. God, I don't want to do this anymore. Fuck you, Spike. Which is a I think burn. she was on the edge. And then Spike came yeah. in and was like, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> Hey, hey. I don't want to do, that guy yelled at my me. Mom, I hate this guy. My mom loves me on the other side. I'm going there. I bet I made it up. I bet I made that asshole up. My mom loves me on the other side. Poor Buffy. Poor Buffy. I think it is true that she was definitely on the fence about it, though, because Willow hands her the cup and she's not like immediately drinking it, you know, mm. oh, yeah. which I think that you would be if you were desperate to like not be crazy anymore. Sure. She's yeah. just holding it yeah. i mean you know until the last couple of episodes buffy had been kind of looking for a way back out yeah you know and then here this hey i have a solution it's right here <laughs> it's everything you think you want your mom is alive and she's back with your dad and you could be happy yeah that would be so hard to overcome i mean you have to pretend that you that know joyce is a good mom you yeah. love joyce and joyce yeah. loved you <laughs> yeah but but uh god I, that was so affecting that's probably one of the best moments of the episode just seeing joyce and hank like fuck Oh, oh, baby, you're really here. Dad. She's lucid. Keep talking. Maybe the sound of your voice will ground her. Sweetheart, we've missed you very much. Honey, can you hear me? There is, I have to say, and I think this every single time I watch this episode, at the very end when she's, when... Uh, Joyce gives her her big like rallying mm. speech. You can do this. You're strong. You can pull through. And she says like, "Thank you." And then I think she's gonna say, "I'm sorry, mom." And then she like, mm. you know, goes back yeah. to Sunnydale, but she, but just she says doesn't. goodbye. <laughs> and it's like so weird because I feel like she would be kind of like, "I'm sorry, like I can't be here for you." Maybe that's because like part of me is like, say. "I want to be." Yeah. But yeah, she's just like goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> it always strikes me as weird. <laughs> Time is of the essence. Everyone's about to get married. Yeah. She doesn't have time for work. I've got to focus on my fantasy world. I've been so detached. We've all been kind of slumming. Okay. Let's, uh, well, let's take a second to just remind everybody that we're a real podcast. And you can find us everywhere at Beat Me Pod. That's Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. We have a website, beatmepod.wordpress.com. That contains notes about our show. Uh, and anything that we cut into the show, like a reference, there'll be, you know, a super, I don't know, maybe there'll be a lost reference to this one. Who can mm. say? Community? Who can say? Who mm. can say what's going to be in oh, here? Boy. But I can tell you, if you are curious about whatever does get cut in, you can go to the show notes at beamingpod.wordpress.com. It'll be there. It'll also, and most importantly, maybe, who knows, have a link to our Spotify playlist that contains all songs played in our podcast episodes as well as any songs that are played in the Buffy episodes about which we were speaking that are available on Spotify. And you can find that, like I said, on our website, but also you can just search it in Spotify. What is it called? What's the playlist called? Uh, Beat Me t- Fun Time Playlist for Podcast Fan Season 6. That is almost 100%. Hyphen. Hyphen. You forgot the hyphen. But oh. that was like a 96%. Uh, that's just... That's just- Semantics. <laughs> that hyphen is semantics. Punctuation. There you go. There's also multiple types of hyphens. I mean, is it a long dash? Is it just like I have three different dash. Yeah, I have three different dashes oh. that I use pretty pretty frequently. So I need to know M-dash. which dash. Wait, is it called n dash or m dash based on the length? I think so. It does seem right. Oh my god. God has nothing to do with it. I think it might also be part of like the 
the like alt code or whatever to type it in oh. if you're not just hitting hyphen a million times. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay, let's yell about some stuff. Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's time for that. Let's yell. Uh I'll go first. Okay. Let's do. <laughs> Kelly, would you like to yell? Yes, I would. I would like to yell about something that was said during the director's commentary. At the very beginning of the that episode, count. I'm doing it anyway. At the very beginning of the episode, oh, for what it's worth, I didn't even say about this at all. The commentary was not very good. Um, Rick Rosenthal and David Gutierrez. Your boy. Your Dave. David. Diego Gutierrez. I don't think that they're buds. Um, not, not that there was like any kind of weird tension in the room, but they just didn't really have a lot to say. They weren't like chatty. They was kind of the worst of both worlds. It was like. The last, the very last episode with Rebecca Rand Kirshner and David Solomon, they were like cutting it up and having fun with each other. They weren't talking about the episode, which was frustrating because that's what I wanted to know about. But at least like they were entertaining. Uh, these guys were not really talking about the episode and they weren't really having fun and talking to each other. They mostly, especially Rick Rosenthal, just could not stop talking about how awesome Sarah Michelle Gellar is. And I get it. She is great, especially when she does that almost crying cry face thing that she does so well. Great. She but did just, it a lot in this episode. Did it a lot. Uh, and he said that, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar is really tough. She'll kick, she'll kick your ass. She really will beat you up. She can do those moves. And I was like, ha-ha, thanks, Dad. Um, and, like, just really effusive about how good the whole cast was, but especially her and uh, Trachtenberg. He also said something about Allison Hannigan being, like, leading lady quality. And I was like, that's so sad, because I don't think she's ever actually been the lead in any movie. Or show. Ever. Show. I mean, she was like you're part of the ensemble yeah. that How I Met Your Mother, but like Ted, stupid ass Ted is like the main character, right? And Kobe Smulders is like the yeah, other main character. Anyway, that wasn't what I was going to say at all. At the very beginning of the episode, where we have Buffy going, <laughs> crossing off her list of new rentals, uh, the screens, when the, the, the trio sees her on the screens, that was all done in post. They did such great acting. Adam Bush, Danny Strong, everybody did such great acting there because they weren't actually looking at the screens. The screens were blank. They added that footage because they had to shoot that footage. So they all added it, added it in post. Can you believe that? Incredible. This actors. was the start of our Incredible yelling. That How was, much acting wow. was there to do to that? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Station, it's your turn. Okay. We could say that about a lot of the show. Turns out in post. Wait, there wasn't actually magic smoke coming out of that thing? They're so what? They really sold it. There wasn't. That snake wasn't there? That giant sewer snake wasn't really there? Okay, it's your turn. <laughs> I only have a few things, but uh, the first thing I wrote was, I don't know how stuff got so mixed up, which is what Xander says when he gets back from his, I don't know, being sad about leaving Anya. Mm. And I was just like, you don't know how stuff got so mixed up? You fucking left her at the altar, you goddamn idiot. What are we even doing here? I have no sympathy for you. He was like, I still want to date her, but like marriage is scary. Yeah. And it's like, have you ever heard of divorce? I mean. Because <laughs> he said, in the thought of doing this forever, and it's like. Marriage doesn't have to be forever, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> Tough stuff. I mean, he obviously could not figure that out. That was the whole problem of the last episode. He's just like, no, I just have to do this forever. If we get married, then we'll have to be together forever and, and then ever. I'll murder and you. And then I'll kill her. <laughs> <laughs> and I love you too much to murder you. And she's like, what the fuck? Oh, you know what's great, Dummy. though? Like uh, the pan, right? Buffy hit him with the pan and then he killed mm -hmm. Anya with the, oh, the pan, right? Right, yeah, and the, yeah. And damn, look at this. I did forget about that. But yeah, I loved Echoes. it when she hit him in the face because I was like, yeah, I also want him to stop talking. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Murder Buffy. Um, we didn't even mention it one time, but like Trachtenberg was fucking incredible. And it just, it hits so every single thing that I love so much. And if you don't like Dawn, then like you could see this as like a big fuck you to Dawn world where you're almost like, I wish the, the Buffy world was fake because then Dawn wouldn't exist, right? But like, God, being, it's so sad. 
not even there, am I? What? I said it a second ago. You don't have a sister. The Munkles get a shout out. This episode just like keeps getting point after point after point. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't grow up with her. These monks, they, they made her. I was just going to say, I totally disagree with you. I wrote, why does Dawn make everything about her? Because <laughs> I'm just like, you're freaking kidding me, right? Your, your sister's going through like a psychotic break and you're just like, eh, I'm not in your delusion. <laughs> and I mean, it, it points on that whole thing. Like later on in the speech where there, when, when uh, Buffy's chasing her, she brings up, uh, you know, I'm real or whatever. You know, the whole real me thing mm-hmm. is still an underlying aspect and uh, Xander calling her a big ball of energy, right? We're still talking about Dawn in this way. And I don't know if we ever get over it, right? Because we all know that she's not real, but she is I mean, why super real. Get over it? And that's, I love it. She just needs to own that. She's a freaking ball of energy. And despite the fact she's a ball of energy, her sister died for her. Like get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that I love that ending too because it's like the inverse of the gift, right? She, everything that she said was exactly what she said to get her off the ledge, right? Or whatever the next episode, bargaining mm-hmm. or whatever, or, or no, yeah, bargaining, whatever. They're talking, and it worked before, but it did not work this time. Um, like, I mean, the pressures of the other reality were, were that strong, apparently. I guess, or is what mm-hmm. we're supposed to take away from it that even the sister, even my love, could not stop her. That would be another blow to Dawn as she's lying on the floor mm-hmm. there. You know, you got to think, holy shit. I mean, even her, she's like, it's uh, your ideal reality and I'm not even part of it. Very yeah. tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, you want that world so bad, that world that I'm not in, that you're about to kill everyone. Do you want it? Is is that what it is, though? I don't know if it's that she wants it or if she's just like, is this... Well, if she's choosing it. Cause like, well, I guess maybe she doesn't if, want, but if she is choosing it. Sunnydale is fake, and you're just like, this is harmful for me, and my parents are sad, and... Yeah, I guess it is a different layer yeah. than just being yeah. it's, like, it's all about the way you not look. to save Dawn at the end of the gift or something. Because, I mean, if Dawn truly isn't real and it truly is a delusion, who are you hurting? Yeah. This figment in your imagination? But Dawn was never real, so just kill her and be done with it. Well, exactly. Even in, even in Sunnydale reality, Dawn's not <laughs> nope. real. The monks aren't real. I mean, they are real. So, like, why are you upset, Dawn? Get over it. You've never been real. She just sells it so well. Oh, my God. She's so affecting. She she does such a great job. Oh, my God. That crying. can't Uh, do it with the two of them. During Buffy's little murder stalking of Dawn, the music was excellent. I feel like I give Thomas Wenker a hard time because he's, like, inferior, you know, compared to Christophe Beck. But Mm, the early season. um, But... But I really liked. I mean, I I'm gonna give credit to Rick Rosenthal, though he I'm Your sure boy. he had nothing to do with it. Uh, <laughs> th- there was even like a little Halloweeny piano going on during it. And I was just like, this is fucking excellent. You know, when we talk about episodes that are scary, this one never comes to my mind. Mm. But I gotta say, the first time when I went to go rewatch this episode, um, the first time when I went to rewatch it this year that I've watched it, I've watched it before. You know what I'm saying. I was doing it alone in the dark, and it was pretty good. Like it was, it did feel very, you know, slasher movie esque, and it, it really came off well. And I think that has a lot to do with Thomas Wanker. So thanks for that, guy. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Thomas Wanker. Look at me. I'm right here. You're my sister. I need you and love you. Somewhere inside, you must know that's real. Sure it is. So it's more real. A sick girl in an institution. Don't. Please listen to me. Some kind of supergirl. Chosen to 
fight demons and save the world. Good job, guys. Stacia. Oh, um... Buffy has this hat in this episode. <laughs> yes, And it's the does. most unfortunate, like, mushroom condom hat I've ever seen in my life. It's gray. It's round. There's a point at the top. Hey, it's I, beige. It's, like, it's round, but also deflated. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it is. It's horrific. I don't know why they put that on her. That's definitely a Willow hat. So what are we doing? Stop. But Willow gets this her is, own hat. This is a sign that Buffy is going crazy right here. <laughs> this is the her wardrobe is crying out for help. Oh, oh for if she sure. busted out the bomb hat, I mean, that, then we'd be talking. <laughs> right, yes. The yeah. glitter bomb hat. Yes. That's a great that's hat. That's a great hat. By the way, that's a great okay, hat. Okay, Daniel. Um, the, uh, another Xander thing. Um, the whole, you know, I had a hang-ups with Hell's Bells that I was mad about the un- alternate reality, and then they just did it behind my back. Um the same thing, <laughs> dude. The buff, the everything that we said uh, about or Buffy, um, uh, about Xander. Like, I mean, I made the point of like, in that reality where Buffy dies and him being so heartbroken because he's still in love with her, hung up on her, or whatever. He uh, implies that I, I was obsessed with the Buffster or whatever he said before he got hit with the pan. Mm-hmm. Um, he also like is really explicit in this episode about like when you say poke, right? Oh my and god, then, I hate that line. Well, yeah, I mean it's gross, but like that. But but okay, yeah. no, what's the end of that sentence? I have to know. Sorry, before I forget. What is the end of that sentence? When you be poke, do you mean in the vagina? Yeah. What is the end of that fucking sentence? You know, poke. Like poke with the stick. Come I on. I guess they just thought that would be a funny joke. It, terrible. It's terrible. It's a not poke a good jo- joke. Okay. No. This right. is kind of thrill. So yeah, when when you say poke, <laughs> implying you know, you know what that. it is. You got it, right, Kelly? Um later on. <laughs> He says to Spike, uh, make sure that's all you're oogling, which was ADR'd and really bad. Um, there's a lot of really that bad. I don't even think that's what his mouth said no, at all. I think he said like watching or holding or handling. He did not say which, which again makes uh, makes ADR'd. it clear that they were like, we need to emphasize that part, I guess. Right. We need to keep going after Hell's Bells. Uh, so the poking part, the yes. oogling part. Uh, and then obviously with the feeling sorry for Spike because we're obsessed and then. Uh, yeah, fucking hits him. You know, I mean, it's clear that he's like relapsing in a way. Um, or that like Buffy caught you know in his head caused this thing right he's in love with I don't know what he's even thinking I don't even know I don't know either Xander's not great in this episode no. I will say that like it's just the whole mm-hmm. as we already touched on this, the childish nature of him barging in and being like I don't know why it happened why would she be mad I need her back this is totally fine it's okay also them screaming Xander when he walked oh. in Z- Xander? <laughs> Xander 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 ADR, Xander bad ADR. Xander yep. <laughs> awful friends Romans. Anyone? If I said to you big energy food, what do you think it would be? <laughs> um candy? Oh, okay. All right. Daniel, what's your go-to big energy food? Nutrigrain bars. I don't know. <laughs> Fettuccine Alfredo. Oh yeah, carbolode. Um I mean, it's got to be something with lots of eggs in it, right? I mean, <laughs> I they mean, eat. Maybe, they yeah. all they eat is is uh breakfast. What do you think that Willow could that actually cook? That's what I'm saying. She's like, "You know, by big meal, it's pancakes." It's the only thing that we make in this house. The only thing that's ever well, been mean, alluded to being made. She in this did house. almost make an omelet for Don that one the time, omelet. pretty recently, right? And then just <laughs> dumped up. it all into the trash. <laughs> Maybe she'll just go retrieve it. <laughs> from the <laughs> Maybe they're just gonna heat up like leftovers from double meat palace from the night before. One hundred percent. Some cold fries. <laughs> <laughs> She would. She would. Dark, dark. I said, if I didn't know any better, I'd think you were on drugs. 
I thought it was a really nice touch that when we see Spike with his little grocery bag, that what appears to be in the grocery bag is two giant packs of cigarettes, of cigarettes and yeah. alcohol. <laughs> Marlboro Reds, yeah. <laughs> He's living his life. He's living his life. Um, the um, Shout out to the uh, winter clothes on Buffy, oh, yeah. number one, because uh, it's still winter. Don't forget, it's cold out in Sunnydale, wherever Sunnydale is. We'll never know. But uh, the new <laughs> rentals, if we zoom in on the new rentals, it is hard to read. Those red lines are pretty deep, and it gets a little bit blurry. So this was not filmed, obviously, for HD. But uh, up at the top, n- nicely enough, it wasn't like some fake – Internet website, it does say searching, uh, search for apartments in Sunnydale area. Oh. So they're pretending as if it's like a real rent.com scenario or something, which is pretty nice. But all the apartments are $1,300, <laughs> uh, seem to be at least, that I can kind of tell. Um, all of them do open up mid-February. So that's another nice touch where huh. that is when this episode is coming out. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I couldn't uh, – I'll, ma- I'll mention the couple of addresses I can make out later in the watch. Right. So stay tuned, everybody. I, okay, so I'm a little curious about this, the thinking behind this. I mean, it's probably really straightforward, and I'm just being very dumb. But, like, she's trying to see any and all places people have rented in Sunnydale because the trio must have recently rented something. But why? Because they're in hiding. But did she find their place? Yeah. I don't remember them her finding their place. Well, but she definitely did. I just don't remember. Wasn't Willow it from, like, walked the freezeway? Right? She was in there dungeon or whatever right 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 willow got captured or whatever yeah. and they took her to the arcade okay that's right okay so i guess it's not crazy that she would this is like a line of but they would just move in with didn't they move in with their parents they were living with warren's mom and then moved from warren's mom's basement because to another basement that they're renting why yeah why would they because they can't be, literally but you got underground literally underground they can't be in the main part of the house. That was Jonathan's. Like, why can't we just actually be in the fucking house? I mean, that's fair. Buffy was looking in the windows, and if they had just been sitting there like losers, she would have yeah. seen them. Watching Red Dwarf or whatever. Yeah. But. That's true. That's fair. Okay, so two times in this episode, Buffy says something that might be a little untrue about Willow to Willow. Thing one, once you fall for Willow, you stay fallen or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not true. Oz. Oz fucking straight up left. <laughs> Thing two. Willow, you always come through, except for when you get addicted to magic and almost kill my sister in a car wreck or any other I'm time. I'm an addict now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you always come, you never I'm stop. I'm an addict who gets addicted. <laughs> That's right. Never forget. <laughs> you know, like addicts do. <laughs> <laughs> never forget. Poor Sam didn't deserve that. Uh, Daniel, you're turning it because you're The doctor stuff, right? deserves everything. Oh, doctor. Oh, yes. Oh, right. The doctor, because she's the doctor. I forgot. I forgot. The doctor. The doctor. <laughs> Oh, uh, the, uh, I'm going to go Jack Torrance here, you know, uh, to The Shining. I thought that they, when Buffy was going to, I thought she was going to bust through uh, when she was going after Dawn. Yeah. And was gonna, I mean, maybe not do an overt, like, put her face in. Here's but, like, Buffy. You know, do a little <laughs> homage, but they didn't. Too bad. No, I think it's good. I don't think we need to do that. I think it's good, too. They don't need to do that. They've never really done that before, so no. that would be weird. Uh, this is the last time we see the Double Me Palace. What, was that not what? in the fun facts? I was supposed to put that in the fun facts. Oh my god! I didn't, I didn't put do it in it. the fun facts. Whoops! Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the last time. We Come see on, Stacia, what's wrong with you? I know. Really what dropped the ball up. on that. Well, I'm glad Ugh. that I remembered. Good for me. Well, it's not your fault, Kelly. So you're good. Oh. You're off the hook here. Great. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, I guess that can be my yelling because <laughs> I can't find the other. Oh end. wow! Yes, go, Daniel. Uh oh! Wow. Uh, so I was curious about. Oh, one second. Let me pull it up here. This. So when our dude goes mm. for what's the name of that instrument? Didgeridoo. What? Are, what? 
the didgeridoo, which is an Australian instrument. Um, at Andrew's feet is a copy of National Geographic. And I was like, what issue of National Geographic are we talking about? We are talking about June 1994's, which is volume 185, number six. Uh, the lead article there is uh, called Pow Wow. Um, and it's a it's a, a powwow slash a gathering of tribes by David Harvey uh, that looks at powwows from Connecticut all the way to Montana, full color photos, probably very beautiful. It is impossible to find the shit or any semblance of what that issue looked like online. Probably there's torrents out there in the world for it. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, I've got a couple of old copies, you know, just randomly if I'm on Pirate Bay, I'll like download some if I think of it because um, I'm sure they're all there. But I'm kind of – it sucks because it would have been nice to look through it a little bit. Um, so I don't know what the didgeridoo has to do with – this Native American from 1994, even though it's 2001. So I think we're kind of like, yeah, we're doing some 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 dumb stuff here. But if you are interested in this issue, not only can you learn about powwows, but you can also learn about great whales of the north, central Pennsylvania, cotton, king of fibers, and a Russian voyage. Hey, the Russian voyage. Ruskies. Ruskies. Oh, my God. That's why it's on here. So he probably got the influence for Ruskies now because that was in the yeah, 80s. Yeah. Cold War. This is 94. Yeah. Anyways, that is the issue of National Geographic, 1994. Why? Why do they have that? One more layer to this scene. Rick Rosenthal mm. said about this. Tom Blank knows how to play that exotic instrument. <laughs> oh, no. See, it's all exoticizing. <laughs> Orientalism. <laughs> It's real, folks. You can't just throw a, a National Geographic with a native person on it and call it, oh, yeah, the magic. It did seem pointed that they showed that magazine. It didn't need to be there. We didn't need to pan down to it. It was really we weird. We never needed Because it's like they're reading from it. It's like they found this, like, the, the notes to play. The Andrew was, like, looking through this, and he's like, let me bust out the didgeridoo. <laughs> and this is where I got the information from, National Geographic. I don't know. Why is it there? Who's reading it on the ground? Why did we throw it on the ground? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tara has a friend. I find this unbelievable. Tara has a strumpet. A strumpet? They're just friends. Don't you put your mouths on your friends or whatever mm-hmm. Willa says. Especially now during COVID times. <laughs> That's my favorite way to greet people. I just lick them on the face. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when did she get this friend? And they're friends enough that they kiss on the cheek. This is, okay... Tara's looking great in this scene. Oh, this is the worst. So you see the ex and she's looking yeah. good. Yeah. And she's with someone else. The fuck? But this is such a weird scene that I see on TV shows. And maybe it's just because I'm an unpopular loser. This has never happened to me. <laughs> oh my God. But there has never once been an experience in my life where I've left a room and I've just been like, hey, what's up? Hey, man, it's been a long time since I've seen you. Hey. <laughs> you know, and just like saying like, hello, and kind of like walking by, vibing with everyone. I've never done that. But she's doing that in this scene. <laughs> And it seems so completely out of character for her it that it feels almost as if she knew Willow was there and was putting on a show. That is so funny. Yeah, where's this an effervescent, outgoing yeah. Tara who just knows everyone? Like, oh, God, Samantha, I haven't seen you forever. No, not Sam. Anybody but Sam. Sam's a doctor. Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany, I love you. Suzanne, you're here. Suzanne, fuck yes, yeah, Suzanne. Done. You're not supposed oh. to be here, Suzanne. You're not supposed to be here, Suzanne. Also, oh, no. if you know someone and you greet them so warmly as to kiss mm. them on the face, do you then immediately just walk away? Because, like, that was the end of the interaction. They were just like, kiss, bye. And then Tara turns around, the girl's walking away, and she's like, Willow. <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
<laughs> was it was just, so inconsequential. Yeah, just, it was all organized. Actually, at one o'clock, right. we meet in the hallway, we kiss on the cheek, we keep going. We never. We do talk. this every day in case Willow's watching. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Poor Willow. She was so adorable too. The kisses and gay love. It was so yeah. sweet that she had to see that shit. Yeah. The worst. Bizarro Tara. She's the one that's in the asylum. Anyway, okay. I press my lips against my friends all the time. I'm sure they're just friends. Once you fall for Willow, you stay fallen. Buffy quit working at the Double Beam Palace, right? She quit that job. Okay. They clearly okay, don't yeah. care. They took her back without. I mean, they would take her back. I mean, Did I don't we not have talk about that in the last? Ep- oh, I guess it wouldn't yeah. have really been a factor. But yeah. She left in the middle of a shift that is called job abandonment <laughs> without notice and just left and presumably did not return for the rest of the shift. And no one said a word. She just, yeah, continued working. I don't I think mean, I think she probably just went up to the, na- to the the neighbor, to the manager, and was like, I know what's in the beef, and it's yeah. not beef. They probably fired Tom Wheeler for not being a leader. Maybe. Maybe it's like, that's you right. can't even keep your employees here. You're fired. You're gone. I didn't see him. Where's Todd? That, I'm not a political animal. Machiavelli. <laughs> Fucking guy. Oh, it's Andrew. I screwed up real bad. Can't believe you said that with a straight face. Uh, why were Willow and Xander in the graveyard? Were they going on patrol with Buffy? Because it looked like Buffy was not with them before Spike appeared. They just kind of showed up. What the fuck were they doing? Were they just bored at home? And they're like, maybe we should go see what Buffy's up to in the graveyard. It just seemed really straight. I mean, we just needed to force the scene of Spike getting yelled at by our friends, but... They're trying uh, to pick too many holes in this. We can't do this. Where? Why were they there? It no just seems we haven't seen a, a shot of our friends patrolling together in so long. It just really stuck out to me. Yeah. I mean, obviously at the beginning of bargaining, we have the whole. Remember, we decided Willow had telekinesis and then forgot immediately and dropped it. And never yeah. went back to it. That scene is like the last time they patrolled. But before that, it really like yeah. sucked me back to like season three for a second. I was like, whoa, what do we? We don't do this. This is not this show anymore. We don't go on yeah. patrol with Buffy. Why the fuck are you guys here anyway? So. She's having the Wiggins, is she? She's having a Wiggins, is she? That's our first Wiggins in probably since season three. I do appreciate three. a good Wiggins. Yeah, I feel like we've used the a derivative of Wiggins probably, but not the Just full wigged out. not the full Wiggins. Yeah. yeah, wigged out, wigged, but not mm. Wiggins, not the full Wiggins. Been a not, while. The fu- not the full Wiggins. <laughs> Worth noting for sure. Is that what he's talking about with the poke? Full Wiggins. Ah, oh, the full Wiggins. No, uh, I forgot to mention that the girl that Tara kisses is credited as. Kissing girl, very oh, important. But uh, what trumpet? What you know? What she's just a nice girl. <laughs> she she didn't. This is Tara's fault to involve her in this game. This little this little cat and mouse. This, this little, little tete tete. <laughs> <laughs> she is an innocent kissing girl. Okay, she's just a a bystander kissing girl. If the only thing people know about you is that you're the kissing girl, you're a strumpet. <laughs> <laughs> Kiss slut. <laughs> That's exactly what she is. She'll just kiss anyone. She's like, go through a recent breakup. I'll kiss you. Oh my god. Want to make your ex jealous? I'm here. Uh, I was gonna say what chores, and that could be my last thing, but it's not worth saying. It just like, uh, Willow's oh, been doing yeah. your chores. I have That's to go what do I was my chores. Say. What yeah. fucking chores? I said over <laughs> under on the percentage that she's gonna go do her chores. <laughs> she's uh, definitely not going to go do her chores. That never. was just a storm out of the room line. And it's a slap in the face to like what we've seen. No one's doing chores. I mean, the fact there's that you guys no food would in this house. Say it, no one is... does chores. This this is a, a den of trash and disrepair. Well, and then uh, they trash the basement. Who's going to pay for that? Everybody's looking at her. Tara is fine with the events. She has no idea what's going on, but she's like vibing because she's high. But like everyone <laughs> else is like, no, no one's thinking like we just fucked this place up. This is more money. 
I mm-hmm. who's gonna pay for this? Mm-hmm. And Willow's like, mm, I gotta go, you know, not do magic because I'm an have... addict. Like, what, come on, get a job. A uh, homeowner's insurance claim on her hands. Tara took a pretty serious tumble. She might <sighs> be like, she could concussed. sue. She could sue. Yeah. She should. And sue. that seems like something Tara would do. <laughs> sue one of her friends. <laughs> no, it, it's it's the fever. It's cooking your brain. Okay, okay, okay. Please, Daniel, update us on the watches. Yeah, let's see if I get this right. Xander construction outfit watch. No, he doesn't. But the camel jacket. I'm keeping track of the camel jacket. The ki- Well, no. So maroon jacket watch slash Anya belt alert. Xander is wearing the, va- the fake jacket. So I guess yeah. this has become the camel. The camel jacket We're watch. calling the camel jacket. Okay. Yeah. Hate it. The worst thing <laughs> on this entire show. It's really destroyed my perception of this entire series of Buffy series? the Vampire Slayer. I hate it. Uh, Dawn's piercing screams. Willow help. Yeah, you better believe we got. Yeah, we got Dawn some screaming, for sure. baby. Oh yeah. Uh, Chips ahoy. Yes. Uh, Xander says, you know, Willie want a bite. Pretty good. That was a pretty good one. Pretty good. Willie want a bite. Um, do Spike rationalizes this chip as Buffy's doing? Oh, because he's talking right. about Buffy's like fake fantasies that, of course, she'd neuter me in them. I do like that little mm-hmm. rant too, and I'm like, we're just fucking delusions in her show because mm-hmm. she's the most important. That's what it was. <laughs> That's pretty great. That is great. Yeah, Spike, you're you're awesome. We love you. Uh, Willow's becoming too powerful. A, eh? she said, I might have magicked my fur my fist through a wall. Uh, which oh, no. does showcase some uh, some anger issues from her. Um, yeah. And then, of course, Buffy's saying, once you fall for Willow, you stay fallen, which does sound ominous if you think about it in terms of death and not in terms of, like, <laughs> you know, just uh, her relationships that have not worked out. Um, I guess that means Tara will uh, fulfill that prophecy. Yeah. And the whole world could if she wanted close. to. But crayons. Buffy has a personality... <laughs> Question mark. Yes, she has been institutionalized, which could count as a personality, but she never really <laughs> she never really took it on, though. She never took on the, the burden of that or, or advocated for, for. Yeah, fair enough. Um, also, we know that I really we never brought this up, but we know that this is not real because there's no way that Buffy Summers has the imagination to pull this off. She has <laughs> the no creative. the creative vision is just not there. Sorry, I'm sorry. I hate yeah. to be the one to say it. De Hoffman watch, no. See, she could never conceptualize De Hoffman. For her, De Hoffman watch, <laughs> zero. Would never happen. Uh, no, he is not here. Uh, Tara and Willow on the pot again. Yeah, misunderstanding. That girl, <laughs> kissing girl, was the drug dealer. That is how they greet their drug dealers. <laughs> That's all that was. It was a very covert little handoff. Willow yeah. is not an addict anymore, so she's already forgotten what it's like. You have to kiss your drug dealer. That's how these things work. <laughs> You have to kiss your drug dealer. Uh, Willow saying we've all been kind of slumming. That seems like a very pothead thing to say. Um, Tara's got, uh, yeah, two spells that she had. But again, she was so high at the end where she just doesn't question that. Why are we fighting Buffy? She has no clue what's going on, right? She has n- And no, doesn't knock. Doesn't just knock, just walks house. in. Well, she And she would have gotten high to go and meet Willow, right? Because she's nervous. And she, down, she, yeah. yeah, she wants to. Get it on, I guess. I don't know. Um, Michael Wick and Amy Gothwatch. <laughs> Get it on. <laughs> uh, the, the incredible magic from the trio is wild. It's still too much for mm. me to fathom. Everything they do is so crazy. And the fact that this is a, an episode that kind of calls her out, uh, if Buffy is not, if Sunnydale is fake, uh, kind of make the trio like the big question mark. Like, that would be something a delusional person would make up, right? They're just giving them like immaculate powers. But they're kind of just boring. Like, they're an unfleshed out thing, but they could just do anything. They're so powerful, mm-hmm. um, yet they're the worst. Uh, Buffy charging $1 for everyone asking if she's okay. Yes, oh. multiple times, right? I mean, yes. the whole episode yeah. is another one of those, you know. Um, so we're going to give her 
uh, only a dollar. Oh, I mean, we have to. Ones though, this is a a cash cow for. A, I'm trying to think. How you feeling? Are you doing okay? You're so okay. I one, counted the okay. one where she went down on the bench. You know, I mean, that was the first one that happened, I think, and that's the one that I. Mm. So she has nine dollars. Everyone, nine dollars. Yeah. Right. That'll pay for a couple of uh, hinges and screws. For, <laughs> for the basement. Uh, but not maybe for a mi- couple minutes of labor. Uh, Books a Million. Uh, yeah, there was a book, right? Oh, yeah, we, we saw the the um, the bad guy. What did you call him, Stacia? You call him oh, like... Oh, his name is Glarbable Gash. <laughs> gark. Is yeah, fucking... you said the Gark. It's Gark? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you just yelled. <laughs> and there was silence. We hadn't said a word in like 15 minutes. You just went, Glark! <laughs> So funny. I mean, so that's funny. the store's name, Glark. Glarkle Cashman. I can, but Glark. it just like out of nowhere. Glark. I mean, that's as much as I could read on that stupid sheet, Willow Hands Buffy. <laughs> it was so fast. as if we've ever printed out our research before. I know. Oh, I know. Isn't that so well, weird? Gone are the days of Giles and his dusty books, man. We just sure. print out the Wikipedia page. <laughs> the Wikipedia Ooh, what's page. It? What else? Wow, look at this bookmark side. Let's see: ESP, telepathy, ghosts, Earth and- mysteries. Oh yeah, All that's right. Earth. Life after death. Hello. Why didn't you click oh. on that one? I lo- you see, it's like a word document. There's underlining for words that are not real. Spelled wrong. Oh yeah, spelled wrong. <laughs> Whoa, it printed out the misspellings. That's really interesting. I didn't know that Word would do that. No, Word does it. No, what? Oh, oh, sure, sure. Printing out the misspellings. Yeah, it wouldn't do that. Yeah. It would just print it that's out as is. Yeah. That's well, you can print weird. it out as a red line. Oh, you can. That's amazing. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But you would think uh, they would know the better. But they don't clearly. Anyways, but the art department was was not phoning it in this time because the fact that they they try to make this actually look like a website and try to make the the printing of the addresses look real, mm. I appreciate it. They were I ready too. for HD, maybe. Oh, balls! You didn't say it was a gloggle gashmanic because I can't say gloggle. Uh, streets <laughs> streets ahead. I mean, speaking of the the the. Uh, the rentals. Uh, first time, uh, yes, in a long time. We have uh, 720 East Garfield Avenue on the sheet, uh, 141 Lincoln, um, and maybe there's a West Milford as well. Those are the only ones that I could really make out. Lincoln. I think that we talked about Garfield and Lincoln possibly before. Maybe. I mean, they're just presidents, so hmm. it's like, okay. Um, sure. Also, there's a side street next to Andrews that I guess counts, right? Because that's a street. Although it's a big no, because again, we don't have any actual streets that we know of. Uh, Jaws Biggest KO, fuck yeah. I mean, imagine being in a psychotic episode and the thing that you imagine Giles doing is going off to England, a place you've never been. That's a that's a KO if I've ever heard one. I mean, yeah. come on. Mm. Why would you ever send your protector Giles away? That's how you know this is the real world. Because otherwise yeah. you wouldn't let the, the him leave, right? I don't know. You wouldn't let dad go? Come on. You wouldn't let dad go. But you let mom go. Oh. You had to let dad go. You know, maybe that's part of... Uh... So this is all Joyce's fault. Giles leaving is Joyce's fault. Canon. Got it. I'm canon. I like it. <laughs> Anyways, those are your watches. Thank you so much for the update. I really appreciate that. And your your dogged work at uh, getting these, these screenshots. I mean, also the art department has to draw all the pictures. That's mm. so fun. Man, what a job. Where you get to draw made up pictures of, of stuff for a show like this. Okay. I believe it's time to rank this sucker. Are you ready? Yeah. Excellent. Willow Hacks, we talk about the net slash something wicked this way comes. I gave this an eight. Uh, we use we use the net for the rental listings. We use it for the antidote research. We use it for the nerds because <laughs> they have all kinds of stuff on their monitors, as we know. And... Uh, Plus, Tara does her pre-tumble spells. 
you know, that's some wicked stuff going on. I gave it an eight. Mm, pre-tumble. Was that with the strumpet or when she was in the like, <laughs> oh, basement? Hey! Tara's allowed to have a life. They're on a break! If she went I'm with the saying. strumpet, she'd still be alive. Oh, I'm just saying. Yeah! Whoa! Tara! I know. Man, you should have just stayed with the, the strumpet. You'd still be here today. Mm, look at my influence. <laughs> Dawn needs an adult. Uh, so... Dawn is like taking care of herself and taking care of Buffy. She like gets her tea and stuff. She's not and thriving, She seems though. pretty good. Uh, Buffy does try to kill her, so I would say Dawn needs different adults, maybe. <laughs> Janice, <if> anything. She... <laughs> yeah, let's go to Janice's house. Five uh, monster of the week. I gave it a seven. He doesn't actually kill anyone, but the concept of what he does is pretty cool. And the demon itself is is okay. He is creepy looking. We haven't done like a waxy, upsetting thing like that. But it's a little sloppy in that it's just like a guy in a sweatsuit with weird dreadlocks. But the mask itself is is pretty cool. And again, the concept great. But we did reuse the um, the arm thing. But I mean, I don't know. What are you going to do? You got to stab somebody with a thing. You're going to have to use the arm thing. Uh, and he gets punched in the heart to death. Why does a Buffy punch everything in the heart to death? It, it was so effective. He died immediately. It was so easy. Oh, my God. Anyway, seven for Monster of the Week. Life is the big bad. Uh, yeah, your life is so shitty that you think you're in a, uh, an asylum, and then you try to kill all your friends. Ten. That's a bad day. That is a bad day, undoubtedly. Relationship goodness or badness? Xander and Anya. On the outs. I don't think those <laughs> kids are going to make it. Below Tara, however... Oh, not great, though. No, I mean, not, not great. Willow clearly wants to reconcile, but she has from the second Tara left. But Tara does come to see to her tell for her some reasons we don't know yet. About her new relationship. And that's Oh, you think maybe? All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. He had another ambiguous Or just to bring drugs. Episode. She's the new drug dealer. <laughs> do, you think, <laughs> do you think Tara is like, hello, is anyone home? Willow? Are you there? I just wanted to make it clear that I am dating that woman. <laughs> well, <laughs> if there was I, any ambiguity. <laughs> As we will find out in the next episode, she's just a friend. Don't worry. Oh, God. Uh, okay. Buffy and Spike. That's what lesbians say. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's over. Buffy and Spike are over. They're they're bad. Uh, and Buffy and everyone. Um. She did try to kill them all, but she is really sorry. So I feel like f- five for that. Neutral, it all shakes out to be nothing. This sucks nothing. for your ratings. <laughs> this episode's going down. This is so low. Is it? We'll see in a second. <laughs> Episode specific. What's more real? A sick girl in an institution or some type of super girl chosen to fight demons and save the world? That's ridiculous. Crazy face. Ten out of ten. Oh, yeah. I did like that line a lot. Oh, I, yeah. And there was also some moments... Um, like, if you're feeling in the spooky mood, again, if it's dark and you're all alone watching the show and the music's bumping and you see Joyce sometimes the way she looks where you can interpret it. Like, if you think these are malevolent forces, that this is something that's trying to hurt Buffy. Sometimes the way that, that Christine Sutherland looks at the camera, you're just like, ooh, oh, I don't yeah. Joyce, are you going to hurt us? I don't know. Pretty good. Anyway, that gives this episode a total of 45, which makes it mm. three of 17 for the season. So Let's this go. one is right behind uh, Dead Things. And right above Life Serial. So this ended up being super high. <laughs> I like I kind of oscillated with this one because, I, like I said, I, I hate that as, the, her previously being in the asylum so much. I mean, I, I, I liked us talking about it. It made me feel a little better about it because I was just, like, so stupid. But I, I this is also a really memorable episode. And that sometimes yeah. is not for good reasons, but I think this one is. I think it's a unique 
thing for the show. Again, other shows may have done it, but I think we, we, we never do this meta-ness thing. And it's really affecting having Joyce and Hank there. And Dawn is so good. And, you know, Michelle's tried to so good in the episode. There's a lot of really great moments. And I think it deserves to be number three for the season, at least for now. Maybe it'll be supplanted by what's to come. Anyway, Stacia. Where did you put this episode? I have no idea if I put this in a good spot or not, but I put it at 57 out of 117. I mean, it's the middle. Yeah, it's the middle. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so what's above and below? A little bit. Uh, it's Dark Age, close. Oh, yeah, close it's to close Dark to Dark Age. Dark Age is 53. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> and then, so Dark Age, What's My Line Part 2, <laughs> Phases, I Only Have Eyes for You, and then Normal Again. Uh-huh. Normal again's above, helpless and all the way. Mm. <laughs> way and more middle. The plot synopsis. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just I yeah. keep I'm mad that I only have eyes for you is so low. I, know. Yeah. I think we it should are. be a lot higher than it is. Yeah. Um. So you know, I think it's probably better than some episodes that are above. I only have eyes for you, but I don't know if it's better than I only have eyes for you. Yeah, that's tough when you have like these benchmark yeah. things that lock you in kind of to a thing yeah. where it feels bad to put it above that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of messed that up there. Anyway, what's the plot synopsis? Uh, I wrote Buffy is crazy. Dot dot dot. Or is she? <laughs> nice. Strumpet. <laughs> don't forget the strumpet. Uh, don't raise trumpet. You'll never know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I'll know or what I was talking remember. about. I'll put strumpet. Doctor ah! Strumpet. Doctor Strumpet. Doctor Strumpet. Or <laughs> <laughs> put Tara's strumpet. Tara's there you go. <laughs> Good. Great. Okay. Uh, Daniel, where did you rank this episode? Uh, yeah, this episode was great. Yeah, I mean, we've uh, we've really talked it through. I mean, this was a great episode. We, I, we talked all about not just like our fun moments or whatever, but kind of went into a lot of deep stuff. Great episode of this podcast number one overall uh the show the episode 24 overall out of 137 um <laughs> i went high. i thought it was gonna be lower i thought that i would have hated this back in the day but i, I actually i didn't never look at my old rankings anymore but i went back uh, to 2013 rankings and i had it in like the 40s so i was like okay i guess i've always kind of liked this i just kind of forgot uh, the specifics of it. Uh, I love that. I love alternate realities. Hell's Bells would be way up there if they committed to old Xander. Um, that's really, I stand by that stuff. I like people taking swings at this stuff. Um, mm. I think it makes it interesting. And I like ambiguity. I think that it, more shows should just commit to that shit. Uh, it's just really cool. So great episode. It's so divisive and alienating. People really hate it. They really don't like not having that direct answer. Boo and them. I like, I am usually okay with ambiguity this i think doesn't really fit the bill but lost you know i wish that lost didn't end the way that it did but i do still like lost so that i needed to say apparently but yeah (laughs) ambiguity is fine sometimes you don't get closure not everything needs a fucking answer it's okay pan's labyrinth needed an answer and i'll never be over it i still never watched that movie okay (laughs) oh my god normal again we did it. We did it. We did it, everyone. Unless, Stacia, do you have anything else to say about this episode? Just that I hate Pants Labyrinth. Wow. Mm-hmm. Daniel, do you that have anything else to say about Pants Labyrinth? Mm. <laughs> I enjoyed watching it years ago. I would, I would enjoy a rewatch to know the anchor. So. I think I really need to watch it. Because, I know it's, like, um, it's like, the, the, the guy it's holds graphic. up his... The fawn, right? He's got his uh, the, eyes on his hand. And there's the toad. Yeah, I don't see. I don't know anything about it, and it's like a good fantasy movie, and it's all practical effects and stuff, right? Like big... facial laceration. Okay, <laughs> that's intense. I don't like that. We is need that to watch in it. like Spain during a yeah. war. Spain. Yeah, I think you know. I'm so lazy. I think that's part of why it I never watched it because you have to so read it. Yeah, it's just. I think it's the Spanish Civil War. Yeah. 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 Well, um, 
that's Pan's Labyrinth. Join us next time for, for Pan's Game Labyrinth. Of the we'll do movie. that. After that, was it Hellboy? <laughs> did he do Hellboy next? Whatever he did. After that, was he? He didn't even do Hellboy. Why did I say Hellboy? Did he do Hellboy? No, I need to know. I've said that word too many times. So. 2001, he did Mimic 2, nope, no. and then Hellboy in 2004, so that was before ah. Pan's Labyrinth. 2001, that was 2006. he did also, well, he wrote The Devil's Backbone. Okay. Whatever that is. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So not yeah. not yet. Right. Uh, they probably wouldn't have seen these things. I've never heard of Mimic's screenplay by Kronos, no. 1993. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll turn this backbone. podcast into a Del Toro podcast. So join us next week for, we'll start at the beginning. Yeah, sure. Nineteen eighty three something. I don't know. I just Great. closed the page. Perfect. Anyway, uh please join us next week for entropy. Mm. Um Tara's gonna die so soon. <laughs> I just Let's like, hold on to it. Can't her. handle it. Oh my god. Just um, remember her falling down the stairs. Her finest hour. <laughs> her finest her hour. strumpet will never forget her. Oh, until then. Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Daniel. Say goodbye. You think Beat Me Pot isn't real because all of the wires and microphones and the yelling and all those robots, those news robots that used to be a big ball of universe-destroying energy? <laughs> Only the real people know. Only the real Dare you bring know. up the robots, man. Oh, my God. See, you, you have to in this me. episode, though, because that was an because alternate reality. What is real? What is real? Are we what still doing real? robots in robots. another dimension? I don't know if, man, I mean, it does feel like that was not. But thank you so much for listening. Please join us for entropy next week. Okay, goodbye. No, I can't stop it. It's the cool out. Yeah. The way I put my fist up, I bust my hip for your affection. Trying to be down. No fighting and no stopping. Stick around. Wish I was the type of girl that you take over the mall. I know the world feels like a hard place sometimes. But you've got people who love you. Your dad and I, we have all the faith in the world in you. I wanna be the type of girl you take them to your mama. The type of girl I know your fellas, they be prouder. I'm going over to Genesis, where they actually like having me around.